You're listening to a special edition of On the Record Online with Eric Schwartzman from Paris at the Web 2010, featuring conference keynote speakers, panelists, and newsmakers. To subscribe to the podcast or share feedback, post a comment to the show blog at ontherecordpodcast.com. Connect with us on Facebook or Twitter at On the Record, or send email to eric at ericschwartzman.com. Welcome to Marketing Over Café. Uh, this is Eric Schwartzman. And uh, this is Andrew Vachelari. And we're both here in uh, Paris, uh, just on the day after Le Web. And we're in a nice little café here. Where are we? We're by the Louvre? Uh, yeah, it's close to Rue de Rivoli. And uh, we just had a delicious cup of coffee. I mean, it was... And a, and a, and a, a, a patasserie which was unlike any donut you've ever had before. I mean, it was just delicious. I had a good uh, orange juice, chaud d'orange. And, you know, it got me thinking. um, The French really know how to live. I mean, they know how to sit back, relax, drink a cup of coffee, and enjoy it. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, here we go. Which is probably why uh, Luik decided to launch his company, Seismic, in San Francisco. (laughs) Yeah. Right? And keep the conference the web here in Paris. Yeah, that, that was a smart, smart move mm-hmm. because you can enjoy the uh, uh, the coffee and have some good cheese and listen to some good speakers, um, and uh, you know you don't have to worry about anybody going on strike if you launch the seismic business over over on this side of the the, the pond, I guess. Yeah, it's a, it, it's a really good mix here here in Paris. The only thing I think when a strike where like the taxi for the snow that uh, came. Basically, what the other day? Basically, it snowed all, all night, and so uh, Loic and Geraldine had to go back home, walking, preparing for at least an hour or right. so. I mean, the French know how to live, which means you wouldn't want to be an employer here. You know what I mean? <laughs> you wouldn't want to be running a startup here, but you definitely want to be doing a conference here because it is a great city. Um, you know, it's got rich cultural history. Um, it's got great food. It's got great art. It's got great architecture. Great museums. I think you know something about Fabulous, it. yeah. So what we're going to do is we're going to give you a, um, a recap of what some of the big stories that came out of the web were. And um, I'll kick it off. I'll start with yeah. um, uh, Keynote, which was presented by uh, Foursquare co-founder Dennis Crowley. Uh, he announced that uh, Foursquare broke 5 million users that they're attracting 5,000 new registrations every day, and uh, they also um, announced the release of a new API. Now, one of the things that he said that really stuck with me, I actually tweeted it out and I got tons of retweets on it. He said, Foursquare is the future of loyalty cards. Now, I used to go to a frozen yogurt place where you got a little loyalty card. If you punch it 10 times, you get a free frozen yogurt. But if you think about it, you know, there's no public relations benefit beyond them giving that card to me. Um, so I think the idea of conducting, you know, loyalty marketing in the cloud makes a lot of sense because um, just as conducting customer service on Twitter brings a public relations aspect to customer service because you're doing it in full public view of everyone, 
and um, obviously that brings you goodwill. Um, you know, doing a loyalty program online brings the one-to-many component um, to relationship marketing. And so I think it, it made a lot of sense. I mean, you know, it's, it's sort of a crystal clear business application people can understand. Like, why, what's the point? Why would you check in? Why would you do it? Well, you know, if you could get people to check in 10 times and they'd get a free, you know, lunch or you know, two for one or whatever sort of special, whatever sort of incentive... Um, now you're rewarding them to come back, but you're also marketing to the rest of the world through the internet that you're offering these benefits. Absolutely, and if you think about the fact, I mean, it's not just for fun anymore. Like people don't come to this uh, cafe and, and check in just to 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 see how this works, but like to, to see if they have some offering, you know, some special rates for for uh, four square check-ins and then uh, and I think it, this is a great moment you know for businesses to step into the space and uh, uh, use this channel like you know next to what they're already doing now the week um, you know asked Dennis the sort of the $24,000 question which is you know how are you going to compete with Facebook places and you know it got a little quiet in the room you know 2,000 people listening got a little uncomfortable and I saw Dennis glance down. I, I don't know for sure, but it looked like he was looking at some sort of like messaging, either in his lap or on the floor or something. And there were three um, bites that came through in his response that I wrote down. Uh, one was he said, you know, our differentiators are game mechanics. That rings true. Social dynamics. Yeah, I mean, I think Facebook's got a beat on that. And um, the last one was inspiring adventure. And I guess that's kind of an extension of the game mechanics thing. But you know what I was thinking when uh, after they, when they mentioned that, I, I was thinking, um, and, and I think you want to come back on this later on, mentioning uh, probably some numbers that, that you have. I don't have them right here, but um, about the fact that Foursquare is growing also outside of the U.S. a lot. And I was thinking like, well, but here in Europe, you know, people probably live it in a different way. You know, if we compare it like, with the U.S. for so many on so many different aspects, like privacy level. Uh, if you look also about the environment, free Wi-Fi. Right now we're here in this uh, cafe, and there is a free Wi-Fi. It's, it's, it depends a lot, like also about like the the technology and the environment where where what people will use will use these services. Uh, do you have any numbers on that? Like uh, the only thing they said was they said um, almost half of their check-ins are coming from outside of the U.S. She's definitely growing. So, well, and it's global. I mean, it's not a U.S. phenomenon. It's yeah. happening all over the place. Now, he didn't break down um, numbers country by country, which Facebook did. We'll share those in a minute. Um, but, uh, you know, interesting how they're sort of tapping into this whole game mechanics idea. And that was sort of a theme. There were a couple other presenters that um, are in that business. So they had a guy by the name of Sebastian Dehelou. He's the co-founder of Playfish and... Uh, VP BizDev and Strategic Partnerships at EA Interactive. And he was actually interviewed on stage by Veronica Belmont, who's the host of Techzilla, and she did a great job. They said um, that Playfish is currently uh, selling 90 million items a day wow. on Pet Society. He also said that social gamers are very different than regular gamers. She said social gamers won't pay $60 for games. So really their business model is to eliminate the barrier for entry so that anyone can download a free version and try it. And then he said that 5 to 10% of social gamers convert 
in their free and paid gaming model. That was kind of interesting. Um, another uh, presenter was uh, Michael Head, the CEO of Rovio. Uh, they're uh, behind the best-selling uh, mobile app Angry Birds. And he said that they've got 30 million free copies of Angry Birds downloaded and 12 million paid downloads. So, I mean, this notion of game mechanics and social gaming, this is serious business. And mobile. I mean, right. seriously. Right. So that was sort of, the, those were um, the updates from Dennis. I, I think I have one more thing here on Dennis Crawley, uh, just to wrap it up. Ah, uh, yes. Jeremiah Oyang got in line to ask Dennis a question. And his question to Dennis was um, that it was rumored, or he had heard rumors, that it cost $50,000 uh, to get a custom badge up and going on Foursquare. And he asked Dennis if Dennis would confirm those numbers. And Dennis's response was, no, it's not, you know, there's no real firm price. So, hagglers, take note. Uh, what do you think? I mean, do you think game mechanics is enough of a differentiator to go head-to-head with Facebook? Uh, well, I'm not sure. I don't know about that, but I, I definitely see a lot of lessons learned, like from the game mechanics, things that we we can actually keep in mind, you know, and then uh, uh, eventually implement also at business level. Um, there, there, are, there are so many inspiring, inspiring talk. I, I don't remember exactly the name of, of that presenter. Just came out to mind now. I saw her uh, at uh, uh, TED TED Talks. And uh, so he was. She was actually telling about uh, different key aspects that we can we can look at in in uh, games, you know, and uh, they could really make the difference also in other 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 fields. So, but I think if you if you're talking about the competitive factors, you know, Facebook Places versus Foursquare, it seems to me you know the the network effect of 500 million users. Uh, that are very difficult to take with you over to Foursquare. And seeing as how Michael Arrington asked Ethan Beard on stage to confirm rumors of whether or not Facebook would be launching a Facebook phone, and I guess if Michael Arrington is asking Ethan Beard of Facebook to confirm rumors of whether or not they're launching a Facebook phone, then they probably are launching a Facebook phone. Could you imagine what that would do to Foursquare? Um, who knows? I mean, I think it's still very early to see whether or not these guys are going to make it or Facebook is going to take over in that category. Because, I mean, they, they were showing off Facebook places be, and it looked good. Is there going to be any chance for the two to merge at a certain point of uh, maybe Facebook's... I don't know, man. The way it's looking, <laughs> we're all going to be working for Facebook. <laughs> I had the same feeling, like... Uh, uh, yeah. Okay, so I had uh, a couple of interesting items too. Uh, the first one is um, from, well, it's Carlos uh, Gonch, I hope I pronounced that correctly, is the chairman and CEO of uh, Renault and uh, Nissan uh, Motor. So um, he was talking about, um, he was talking about basic human needs. Uh, so he obviously was there to talk about cars, but say one of the most basic human needs is, uh, well, being able to communicate. So no matter what, like in 100 or 200 years from now, we'll still need effective ways to communicate. So think about, in this case, uh, uh, devices like the phone. 
uh, they will evolve, they will turn into smartphones, but there will always be the need of having something that help, helps us to, to, to better communicate. So another basic need is uh, the need for autonomy transportation. So uh, we need to move from one place to another. Yes, people can use uh, indeed public transportation, uh, but uh, autonomy transportation is what ultimately people want. So in this case, what I think uh, was interesting looking at cars um, is that um, the fact that in his talk he was talking about cars, but he wasn't calling them cars. He was referring to them as platforms. And um, in, indeed, I mean, we are still far, you know, far away from the level uh, at which we are standing right now with applications running on mobile devices or cell phone in this case. Um, but, you know, the, the, the idea uh, is it, quite interesting. And, and I think this for the car industry is a really exciting period because uh, they are basically looking at for the first time at new frontiers, new challenges, um, you know, that, that are facing the, in the digital space. If you think about the fact, like, the car industry is a $2 trillion business, uh, like, I repeat that, $2 trillion business. And this is what happened when we recorded live. See, I, t I told you he was a chick magnet. Okay. I mean, he's got a call from, like, some hot chick coming. No, no, it's another team. It's, we are globally connected, so, of course, they... Yeah, right. Come <laughs> they on, were, man. They're, they're Spare us the excuses. We know the yeah. deal with you. No, right? we are recording, actually, with a great app on the, on the, on the iPhone, and that's why we had to, to keep it on. But my bad, I should have, I should have muted that. Um, okay, anyway. So, if you think about the fact that the car industry is a... Two trillion dollar business. That's scary. Like this year, they sold uh, 70 million cars. So there is a market, there is a demand there. And so, looking at the future, um, looking at the future, well, people will keep buying cars, but they won't buy them just for cleaner emissions because they look good. They will also look uh, at which kind of apps they can install in their in their cars, right? To to basically uh, turn like their car into a comfortable place. That we spend time during their trip. That was interesting because Louis kind of called him on his rhetoric and said, hey, are you asking the people in the audience to start developing apps for your cars? And he sort of backtracked. He, he was in uh, sort of uncharted waters at that point. I think probably because of social media literacy as the CEO of Renault was probably not that high, right? He probably has people that do that for him. Um, uh, but... Um, uh, you clearly, you know, if it was a platform, that that would be the next step, right? Third-party developers would come in. That for me, that's what defines a platform. A lot of people say, "Oh, we have a platform. We have a platform." Until you have third-party developers building apps or building software that runs on your, you know, platform, it's not a platform. You know, what makes a platform viable is a community of developers working. On it. Do you know who I would have loved to see there? Eventually, not just a talk between Loic and you know the CEO. I would have loved to see a panel discussion also with Scott Monty in it. Oh yeah, that would have been great. That, that would have been, been great. oh yeah. If we had Scott there, yeah. you know Scott Scott should have actually done the sit down with him at the couch because one of the things the week does which I think is great a head to head a is head they have those conversations so instead of having someone just give you a canned speech with a powerpoint the guy then sits down or woman sits down on the couch 
with a you know man or woman interviewing them, yeah. and that's really what what the most exciting part is. The other thing that was kind of cool about the conference, which is totally unique, is the length of sessions. I mean, you know, they go over, but I mean, they're scheduled for twenty minutes, so you know, people maybe go thirty, thirty-five, but it keeps it interesting. And as Luis said, you know, if it's boring, it's only boring for twenty minutes, <laughs> and that's pretty good, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I would say that's one thing I think he's got on South by Southwest. Mm-hmm. And that's my favorite conference. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, the one thing he has is that they keep him short. I think, you know, he understands entertainment. At one point, he even got on stage in an Angry Birds costume. I mean, he had, like, a, a costume made. It was, like, something from a theme park. It looked great. Yeah. And he understands entertainment. But I think there's no question, like, this year edition of the web, I think, was, like... Probably the best I've I've been there three times, like three during the last three years. Okay, like this was this my year. first time. I was actually lucky to be invited. You suggested I be invited, so I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah, no, no problem. But I think it was like just uh, just great. What, hey, what, else, you, what back, else you got? Well, getting back to that, just uh, before we wrap up with the Renault, just one point I want to make. Uh, Marco Adasari, I hope I'm pronouncing it right, who's the SVP of design for Nokia. Uh, gave a talk as well. And, you know, here's Nokia, right? They don't have a smartphone contender at this point. <clears throat> And um, he made a very, very uh, compelling argument that we are still in the infancy of the smartphone business from a paradigm standpoint. And here's was the example he used. He said, in the late 1800s, early 1900s, Uh, the steering wheel was not the accepted means by which people operated automobiles. They had levers, they had cranks, they had you know gear, they had all sorts of different ways of steering. And he said it took about 10 years for them to come on to the steering wheel as you know the best model for driving a car. And he said he felt like for smartphones, that's where we are right now. You know, that that accepting iPhone or Android or BlackBerry or you know anybody as the clear winner at this point is just foolish. You know, we've got so far to go. Where, you, was where, where do you think Nokia is standing? I don't know. I mean, I would imagine if they've hired him, they're going to come out with a droid phone, wouldn't you think? I mean, they got their own smartphone. They have this you know, product called OV Maps, and they say if you buy one of their smartphones, they give you free navigation forever. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, look, I'm a droid user. I ran into Scoble in the press room, and he's got his iPhone. And I've always, you know, resisted the iPhone. Actually, because of a personal vendetta against AT&T, they, they hosed me. And I just said to them when I was you know, 20 years old, I'm never giving them another nickel of my money. And I have it. You know, I've gone around them. And sometimes I haven't been able to get the best phone because of that. But I do live in Los Angeles. They have terrible cell phone service, so that's how I've justified it to myself. But one of the things Scoble said is, look, I use best-of-breed products. I don't have time to mess around with things that aren't best-of-breed. And, you know, that's a very good argument. Because the truth is, you know, I'm still paying because I'm using a droid. It's good. I enjoy it. I'm, you know, I'm free from Steve Jobs' uh, prison. But thing crashes and it's not as stable. It's not as good of a of device, clearly. I was asking because, like, one of our headquarters in Finland, and indeed I bumped a lot, lot of people that work for Nokia. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think that they're... It, Too early to say, but I think that since they launched Ovi, Nokia Ovi, I don't know whether he mentioned that or not in the talk because it was another room. Uh, but uh, yeah, they have good numbers coming up, so yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. Now, Marissa Mayer um, intro, um, did a demo. Actually, she brought out a product person uh, from Google who did a demo of um, Android 2.3, which is gingerbread. They had this new uh, Samsung, um, what was it called? Um, uh, 
S. Samsung S, something or other. The Samsung Nexus S. And they demoed um, Google Maps on it. And apparently what they've done is they, you know how often you'll drag your thumb across Google, Google Maps and it won't update quick enough? So you're just looking at that gray area with the graph lines. What they did was they migrated over in 2.3 to what they called vector mapping. Not quite sure what it means, but that's what they call it. And um, not only is it load quicker, but you can now pan and tilt. So instead of just looking down at a bird's eye view, you can use two fingers and actually come down from the bird's eye view to the street view and actually see the buildings render 3D. In 3D, and it was, it was that amazing. was fantastic. It was amazing. Everyone's freaking out. Like the was, first thing you did after the presentation, you Googled immediately if it was already out there. Yeah. Or, or, right. And by the way, it's not the S that's already out. It yeah, is not no, out yet. No. Uh, the, there's a story on CNET that talks about you know it coming out. Yeah. But it's not out yet, so you know when you hear this, if you buy it, you're going to be buying the wrong one. Maybe CES, they will give some more in, insights on when they want to release it. I don't know, one guy stood up, and he, he stood up, he said, I, can I have Oh, that I was fantastic. He said, I'll trade in my iPhone, and they gave it to him. Yeah, I, they, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, call me a cynic, but good luck getting that thing going on with your cell provider at this point, right? Oh, well, right now, yeah. Right. Maybe yeah. you have to wait a little bit exactly. to, to enjoy right. it at full, but... Uh, We're going to take just a quick break. Um, I want to tell you about a new book that I wrote with Paul Gillen. It's um, the first book devoted exclusively to um, the use of social media for B2B applications. So it's out, guys, finally. You know, the book you guys all probably wanted to write uh, because it's a question I know a lot of us in social media get asked all the time. How do you use social media for B2B? Well, we wrote the book, and we're really proud of it, so we hope you'll consider picking up a copy when it comes out on June 18th. When we come back, uh, we're going to give you some really interesting numbers that Facebook shared at the conference in a special session um, about how many websites are using Facebook Connect, how many Facebook users interact uh, with websites through Facebook Connect, And we're also going to give you a really interesting announcement from Google that was made at the conference. So stay with us. This January 2011, Paul Gillen and Eric Schwartzman bring you the first book devoted exclusively to B2B social media communications. Packed with business-to-business case studies and applied knowledge, Social Marketing to the Business Customer is the most comprehensive collection of B2B social media marketing guidance ever assembled. B2B markets are driven by value and relationships. That's very different from B2C markets. This book's a hands-on guide. It walks business people step-by-step through the process of using social media to find and engage business customers and ultimately drive more revenue. Social Marketing to the Business Customer is available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, and Borders. Or buy it at our show blog at ontherecordpodcast.com. Also available for iPad and Kindle. So the second thing I wanted to mention, uh, take away from the web this year, um, you know, I think what I learned, uh, one of the things I learned at the conference is you know, when you're, when you're communicating through social media and you're creating content, you have to match the media to the maker. Um, one of my favorite tech journalists is a guy named Frank Rose. He writes features for Wired Magazine. He's got several books. And, I mean, he gets inside a story like nobody's business, but without losing perspective. And he always puts information in context so it's useful and actionable. 
he's truly, in my opinion, one of the best nonfiction writers in the tech space. Um, and um, I actually interviewed him for this for this podcast a couple years ago, and I was really excited. I was jazzed about it. And um, you know, it, it's not one of my best episodes. Uh, it's my fault because I think a good interviewer brings out the best in their guest, and uh, you know, also could have been that he had an off day. Uh, but it could also, you know, reinforce the notion that not every brilliant, brilliant writer is also, you know, a brilliant radio guest. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, what sort of hammered it home for me uh, was that Loeb, Mike Arrington, came out and interviewed Ethan Beard, who directs Facebook's Developer Network. Uh, now, TechCrunch, hugely influential, right? And you'd be a fool to doubt Arrington's capabilities in the world of online, you know, media. Uh, he does an amazing job managing his properties. You know, he's built an empire, essentially. Uh, but when it comes to interviewing people in real life, his style was pretty abrasive. And I think it definitely put Ethan on guard and made Ethan less willing to, you know, part with anything really useful. You know, the shields went up right away, and it was clear we weren't going to get anything out of Ethan. Um and it was I, disappointing to me. I mean, I, I think like if there's one one thing uh, like uh, like in this case, like Mike should have kept in mind is the fact that well, he should have kept an eye on the audience and the the other one, you know, on the person he was interviewing. Um, I mean, I, I know Mike on the personal side, he he's a nice nice person, but he definitely has this kind of uh, I don't want to say aggressive, but he's really straight right when he is on stage he's really direct like to the person he's talking to and and I think uh, you know it prevents maybe the, the people from opening up as much as they want oh clearly in a conversation same, a same, same vibe key. also with uh, Marisa Meyer right when yeah totally she locked up I mean you gotta have some charm I mean you look at somebody like David Gregory Meet the Press yeah. Fried Zakaria GPS Charlie Rose I mean they all really excel at getting you know they ask the tough questions You know, they don't back off. They definitely ask hard-hitting questions, but they don't launch a full frontal assault, right? You do that, people shut down on you. Do you know what another ideal panel I would like to see? Arrington and Gary Vee on the same panel, the two talking together. Yeah, that and, <laughs> that and, and some, and some nitroglycerin, like, right? <laughs> like that Blow the place up, man. I think you'd have to do that, you know, out on Notre Dame and, and yeah. bring it in via satellite. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, Ethan of Facebook did mention some numbers. Clearly, there were numbers that they had prepared and were ready to mention. Here's what they were. They said Facebook Connect is adding 10,000 new sites a day. They also said that Facebook Connect is used by half of their user base, 250 million people. And that's huge. I mean, 250 million people are now using Facebook on destination websites, right? It's been extended to the destination website. Now, here's the interesting thing. Um, only 2 million sites have deployed Facebook Connect. So that's a whole lot of action off of those 2 million sites, right? Those 2 million sites are getting a lot of action because they have Facebook Connect. I mean, you'd be a fool not to have Facebook Connect going on your site. In fact, like one of the comments I liked uh, during Gary V talk, he said, like, thinking about other... <laughs> let's call them experiments, pilot things, like uh, chat roulette. He said chat roulette, well, didn't turn out to be probably one of the most successful uh, experiments out there, but probably it would have been different with Facebook Connect because before showing up naked in front of their webcam, people could have, uh, you know, 
they, they think it twice if they have to, to log in their, their real social right. identity. But the you know issue I mean? there is the lack of anonymity. But one of the yeah. things I would have loved to have seen um, uh, him called on and also the Facebook guy called yeah. on, um, Pew Internet did a study. I'll put a link in the show notes about the number of people that use social networks anonymously. It's about half. Mm-hmm. About half of the people on Facebook have fake names, according to research by Pew. So, I mean, if you want to talk about the one social network that where people where there's no anonymity, LinkedIn, man. Nobody messes with the professional profile. I mean, you want to talk to people who are you know who you're talking to. LinkedIn's. In fact, that's my first database for like the professional oh, contacts totally. I got. Like, it's you're not going to mess around with your, with no. your professional reputation. I agree, hundred um, percent. So here's some other numbers that uh, they revealed, um, and it was interesting that in addition to Ethan Beard presenting on stage. The second day, they ran this session in a breakout room called Building Your Business with Social. Uh, It was run by Facebook. It was learn how to add social context to your business with Facebook products, including pages, ads, social plugins, and APIs. There were three sessions. The first was Christian Hernandez, head of business development, and he talked about understanding the people-powered web with Facebook, made the business case, did a very convincing job. Next, a guy named... um, Xavier Leclerc, who's an account exec uh, with Facebook, talked about building your brand on Facebook, um, and he talked about doing that with pages, and he talked all about engagement. He also talked a little bit about extending that engagement with advertising. I actually recorded that. I have the audio of that, so I'll be releasing that as a separate podcast. Yeah, um, So look for that. And then the third session was a guy by the name of Simon Cross. Now, they recruited him from BBC. He was doing the social media stuff on their website there. He's now at Facebook. He is a partner engineer, a pretty nice title, and he did a session called Building Your Social Presence Across the Web, Social Plugins and APIs. You know, it was not that technical if you're a technical person, uh, but if, if you're a non-technical person, for me, some of it was a little technical, but I did record that as well, and I'll be releasing that as well. Um, so I have those three. And, and one of the things that was released in that session uh, were the number of users Facebook has in Western Europe. So, so listen to this, okay? Uh, they've got 18 million users in France. They have 28 million users in the UK. They have 16 million users in Italy, 12 million users in Germany, and they said there were 2 million websites using Facebook Connect to extend their Facebook functionality to their destination website. And as a success story, they talked about Spotify, which is this UK company. They said Spotify currently gets 56% of its traffic from Facebook. And this idea that you know, one of the benefits of using Facebook is you know, not just driving traffic, but also engaging your brand. And through that engagement, getting better insights into how people use your products and what they want and what they don't want. Yeah, I'm sure we're going to see some interesting uh, case studies coming up in the near future uh, related to Facebook, Facebook Connect, and, and, and all this. I think it was like staggering, staggering the number of people that are actually using Facebook from mobile devices, which I think, uh, I don't remember the exact numbers, where, where like it was like huge. So I learned something in the first session from this guy, Christian uh, Hernandez. You know, I had always been struggling with the idea that if you launch a Facebook company page... Uh, you can't buy out the advertising. So in the right-hand sidebar, you could be generating all this great conversation, and then your competition can come in and advertise against it. And he said something that changed my mind on that. He said, look, 85% 
of the interaction people have with Facebook doesn't happen on your page. It happens on their page. No one's going to your page. He also said Facebook decides which ads to serve to people based on an algorithm of what they've liked in the past and what they've commented on in the past. So nobody sees the same ads. So he's, I, I really leveled that uh, objection for me. It's no longer an objection of mine. I mean, I can see how you know, it wouldn't make sense to buy out a page because uh, nobody sees the same ads on a page anyways. Mm-hmm. Good. Good point. Okay, so um, I have another interesting... Um, uh, item here from a panel discussion, which is <coughs> sorry, moderated by Brian Stolis. And uh, and um, so here we go. The social uh, operating system and the human API. So it was moderated by Brian, and uh, in the panel we're sitting Cedric Hutchins, uh, co-founder and general manager of, of uh, Withings, uh, Jason Jacobs, founder and CEO of Runkeeper. And uh, Tony Conrad, co-founder of uh, About.me and funding venture partner of True Venture. So it it was very interesting uh, because uh, if you remember recently, Loic and Brian blogged about these two uh, topics. One was uh, Loic blogged about my body API. Uh, so he was referring to the fact that with new devices that um, that are coming on the market, basically we are connecting as human beings to do things together and to do them in a better way. And Brian, on the other hand, with uh, you know his posts on, on the personal operating system, you know it was linking to the idea um, of how we are designing our experience uh, around us whether it's social network, whether it's mobile apps. Um, and, and we are, uh, in a way, uh, just defining us by who we connect to and what we share. So it was very interesting uh, to see this, these two topics put together in a unique panel and discussed by, by the panelists. You can find the entire uh, video online on YouTube uh, in HD. Amazing work also from... You know the le- le- le web stuff to to put this. Uh, I don't want to say in real time, but you know, the, the day after all the all the sessions. It was close, were- man. Last night after the conference, they basically distributed a link. Now it didn't have all the sessions, but it had all the day one sessions. Yeah. And I bet you probably most of the day two are probably up by now. Certainly by the time you download this podcast, you'll be able to follow the link and see all those sessions. Mm-hmm. One of the interesting things that uh, Brian mentioned during the panel is that um, we basically we don't live life as uh, so much as we see ourselves but we live life as we want to see ourselves okay and so what we're seeing in social networking is the fact that we are living the socialization of information socialization of, of connection the fact we're living in publics and sharing to in a sense become the people that we would like to see or be um, and uh, so that, that was a very, very interesting discussion. And another thing that uh, was mentioned through the panel uh, is the, the fact that new technologies are coming on the market. And uh, thanks to these technologies, we can start to reduce the steps that uh, people have to take in order to live these experiences, for example, mobile devices or full platforms, which, by the way, was the theme of the web this year, those platforms. Um, and I think... A funny story that uh, I shared also in a comment during the panel. Uh, it relates like to my team, 
of course, we are 10 uh, in, in my company and we are spread uh, over four continents and we mainly work online. So there, there is one thing I encourage like my, uh, the members of my team to do, which is sport, sport. Workout, practice, do, do, do sport, and, and there is a reason why. Because when they do sport, they work, they work out, they come up with the great ideas. Because they look at the same problems they're facing from their laptop, but looking them from another point of view. So it, it is very good. And uh, one of the apps that we are using in our team is Runkeeper. So uh, the, the, their CEO was sitting in the panel together with Brian, and uh, they were talking about the apps. But the interesting thing, at least to me, is that the better the app is becoming, the better my team works. So, you know, the platform that, in this case, as a runkeeper, really uh, is helping us to, to, to work better. Um, he, was, he was referring uh, the CEO of Runkeeper to a series of, of interesting things. The fact that once you started to share your sport, your, your workout sessions, you're not just running uh, uh, and keeping track of, of where you ran, you know, with the app. But you're running faster. You're trying to run and have a better performance because you're sharing it, or people are watching you live. You know, so there are all the sort of interesting dynamics, you know, that um, uh, in a sense uh, the, the new platforms, the new technologies are like uh, bring into the game so right. I, I thought it was very interesting yeah and actually a lot of people uh, who listen to podcasts do while they're working out too so you know if you want to stay in shape make sure you continue to listen to this podcast and, and one of my takeaways from the conference behind that I can you can't see this because it's an audio but I can't stop smiling because like uh, my takeaways from the web is this is the first time I met you Eric you know for the first time in real life and, and I have to say I'm very happy now to, to be here but you are great on podcast you I always listen to you while I run but in real life you're 10 times better oh thank you that's <laughs> it very is, nice of it, you is, to say. it is it's just just was great thank seriously. you sir no, nice I mean it you know thank that. you thank and you. Uh, so well but let's okay. go on all right so um, last observations or learning I got out of the uh, really significant I mean, there's actually I learned a lot and we can't get it all into one podcast but the, the last thing I wanted to cover um, this idea that, you know, and here's my lesson. Speed drives engagement. Sluggishness defeats it. Um, in his keynote, Gary Vaynerchuk said that if a brand responds to a question from a customer on Twitter like two weeks after it's asked, it defeats the purpose. It doesn't feel authentic and certainly isn't engaging. And I thought, wow, what an important point, right? Velocity, right? The speed of the response is a factor, and it can be used to either increase or dissipate momentum. Um, the Week also shared a lesson he learned from a previous The Web that he produced. He said at one of the previous The Webs, he had invited some political candidates to present. And he said that didn't go over so well with the audience. I mean, you can imagine, right? Politics is divisive. And he said after the conference, he was, you know, bashed with a barrage of negative reviews online. And he was flipping out. He was like, oh, my God, is this the end of the web? What's going to happen? How do, what do I do here? And um, now, mind you, this isn't like a crisis, okay? So I don't compare this to the BP oil spill, okay? This is not something where, you know, lives are lost or people are, you know, you know the environment's being polluted. But certainly, you know, a business that he's three years into is being threatened. So he has to make a decision. What does he do? Does he respond? What does he do? And he said he decided to wait. 
because um, he said if he responded right away, uh, he would have been, you know, just adding fuel to the fire. But what he wanted to do was give it a week. Give it a week, you know, let all the different opinions get out, and then let the dust settle. And then he would respond with one comprehensive blog post, which is what he did, addressing all the different issues, and it would be over. And I thought, wow, how smart. You know, in some cases, obviously, you're going to want to engage quickly. In some cases, you're not going to want to engage quickly. Jeremiah Oyang, who gave a phenomenal 15-minute presentation, said, you know, if you're responding to companies that are brashing your brand on Twitter, you're basically training them that that's good behavior. You're basically saying, yeah, come bash us on Twitter. That's how we'll take care of you. And we're waiting for you to bash us. Then we help. And he said, you know, you really want to think about that. Is that the precedent you want to be setting? Because in a social media environment, 500 million people on Facebook, 200 million people on Twitter, you cannot scale one-to-one. It's not going to work. So, you know, is that the wisest strategy? I don't know. In some cases it may be. In some cases it may not be. Um, but that, that was my, my takeaway. My takeaway was, um, you know, speed drives engagement. And uh, sluggishness defeats it. So something to think about when you're communicating on behalf of organizations, uh, you know, you don't always want to engage so quickly. Mm-hmm. I want to think to close this. So one of the final notes, I would point out the, the keynote of Jeremiah Oyang. Great, great talk. Um, you can find the slides of his entire presentation. is already published and shares on his blog. Uh, he talked about tons and tons of you know good thoughts and numbers and 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 results from the research they conducted uh, with the altimeter group. Um, it was very interesting when he talked about like well, basically where and what to invest in 2011. And he said invest in scalable social media programs. And he did an excellent job, you know, to sum that up in six uh, points. And so you can go and find out find out more on on, uh, on you know on the deck on his presentation. So. Yeah, I mean, it was a phenomenal conference. I mean, yeah. some of the other things that were really interesting that we you know, don't, don't have time to really get into, uh, they brought in a uh, gentleman who had built the first plane that operated off of solar power. Uh, this group, built, they're called Solar Impulse. They built a plane with solar panels on the wings. They flew this thing through the night at 27,000 feet with not an ounce of oil on board. And his, his challenge to the community was, look... The world has been conquered already. Now it's about using technology to improve quality of life. Developers, what are you going to do to use these tools to improve quality of life? Because a, a, a world that is dependent on fossil fuels is unsustainable. Really uplifting. Uh, they had an 18-year-old CEO get up there and say, you know what, we're not all drunk and looking to you know, get laid. Some of us can be trusted. He was fantastic. Uh, uh, Matthias Lufkins from the World Economic Forum did a fantastic five-minute presentation on Twitter diplomacy saying, you know, a lot of heads of state and presidents and prime ministers are on Twitter and they're not even following their ministers. You know, what does that say? And what if, you know, you're being followed by the president of Spain and you're not following him back and you're the president of the U.S.? Is that diplomatic? And I thought that was kind of interesting, right? If you're in gov 2o space and you launch a Twitter account, you got to be real careful who you're following, right? You got to be following the right people. You're sending out the wrong message. Yeah, that that guy you mentioned uh, is uh, Ricardo Souza. He's from Portugal. He's really young, but extremely.
extremely talented. And actually, he's the organizer uh, of uh, Switch Conference. It's switchconf.com. And it's going to take place like next year, uh, the second edition in Portugal. And we are working also together with him the full interest of disclosure but the guy is really really talented and so thumbs up also from me they had a media panel um, with uh, Julio Alonso founder and CEO of Weblogs SL Pierre Chapez founder and CEO of Wikio uh, Kenneth Estian he's a senior VP general manager at CNN.com um, Gabe Rivera, founder and CEO of TechMeme, and Ben Rooney, uh, technology editor of the Wall Street uh, Journal Europe. And uh, they decided that they were going to talk just about WikiLeaks for the whole session. And I think really um, it was Gabe Rivera who had the zinger uh, mm-hmm. that I tweeted and got a lot of retweets. He said, as we've seen, like it or not, technology favors the leakers. <laughs> so, you know, as much as you want to cry foul, as much as you want to say it's not right, he shouldn't. You know, I mean, if, if the record industry couldn't shut down, uh, you know, any of these things, I mean, what makes you think? I mean, what are you going to do, solder shut the USB ports? Someone's going to pull out an iPhone and take a picture of it. I mean, there there are no secrets anymore. Just information you don't yet know. Eric, and that's a quote from me, uh, the Podfather, me, Adam Curry. Let, let me ask you, have you ever thought of going video? Because, you know, I, people don't see you right now when we are recording this but I was speaking about Leo Laporte on stage at the web and looking at you now I think you you can definitely like, like be egg I'm telling you Luik <laughs> you should have me moderate one of those panels because I'll tell you what man it's I'll, a show recording yeah, something with you I'll it's tell serious. you what man I'll, I'll make it interesting so. okay I, I like that click like button so um Look, this has been great. You know, we could continue to talk more about the web because we're clearly jazzed. We got a lot out of it. Uh, Luik, uh, Geraldine, Stephanie. Well done. Thanks a lot for inviting me. I was great. Stephanie Booth. If, if anyone's looking for an excuse to come out to, uh, uh, you know, Paris and get the company to pay for it. This is it, a very good one. This is the one. <laughs> this is definitely the one to do. Do a little shopping, see a few museums, do a have a little coffee. It's the good life, baby. Yes, I agree, hundred percent. And thanks for having me on the show. It was uh, it was a pleasure. And you 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 you're doing a very good job actually in making people comfortable also to talk with you behind the mic. It's, well, it's just you. great. And thanks thank for you joining us for marketing over cafe. Cafe, yes. A shout out loud, like also to uh, a big hug also to our friends over at marketing over coffee actually. John Wong, Christopher Penn, big hug. From now Paris. we have an excuse to put your names in the show notes, so you have to. Out. Uh, for On The Record Online. Bye. You've been listening to On The Record Online with Eric Schwartzman, the podcast about how technology is changing the world of communications. To subscribe to the podcast or share feedback, visit us online at ontherecordpodcast.com, on Twitter at ontherecord, or send email to ontherecordpodcast at gmail.com. On the Record Online is hosted by Eric Schwartzman, an independent online communications consultant whose clients include the U.S. Department of State, the United States Marine Corps, the U.S. Embassy of Greece, the Government of Singapore, Johnson & Johnson, Toyota, Southern California Edison, the Environmental Defense Fund, and dozens of small to medium-sized organizations. For information about engaging Eric Schwartzman as a speaker, social media trainer, or digital strategist, visit www.ericschwartzman.com or send email to eric at ericschwartzman.com.